What's going on, everyone? Ty from BreakerCulture.com. Really excited again for this week's podcast. It's a little bit longer than usual. Uh, we end up stretching an hour and a half uh, because we had so many different things we wanted to talk about. Uh, so hopefully you can put it on in the background, pick up a few tidbits, and uh, walk away with some good info. We cover all kinds of things from the release of 2018 archives and how the breaks went, uh, 2018 unparalleled football, and all the good and the bad around that product. We talk about die cuts, and we talk about 2019 tops, and we cover diamond icons and high tech and all kinds of random things. We also talk about what happens when you have a friend or family member walk up and say, hey, uh, I know that you collect cards, and I have some stuff in my basement I want you to sell for us. <laughs> so uh, we've all been there. If you haven't, it'll probably come sometime in the future. Uh, Good discussion. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, catch us on BreakerCulture.com. And as always, if you have any feedback, hit us up on social at BreakerCulture. Enjoy the show. Shani, what's going on, man? How you doing? It's late. Okay, I'm doing well. It is late. Especially yeah. late after uh, not sleeping last night and doing our interview with matt from cardboard treasures this morning but i'm 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 pushing through you are a trooper man because i know you're what three or four hours away from waking your kids up and heading to puerto rico right is that what you're doing that's right yeah so we're uh headed out for a family vacation my in-laws are taking us all on a cruise which is just unbelievably generous of them this is actually the second time they've done this and we're going on the same boat just a different uh path uh, last time we kind of did more of like a Bahamas tour and this is like a Western Caribbean thing. Nice. So yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited. So, I mean, you, you travel a lot for work already. I mean, maybe not so much to exotic places, but you at least travel. <laughs> What's Rust uh... Belt. I, tra I travel the Rust Belt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's true. That's what it's known up there, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're on the, the cusp of the Bible Belt. You got the Rust Belt. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure which one I would choose. I think I'd probably leave them both behind if you gave me an option. <laughs> I'll just take the regular belt that I, I use every day. <laughs> the braided belt from the The 80s. braided belt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, man, how do you – so I, I struggle with this. You know, How do you deal with the, the whole traveling versus the you know trying to vacation and actually focus on your family type thing? Like how do you approach that? It's a great question. And I think for me, especially because I, I spent, like you had, some time overseas. And when I did my overseas stint, um, it was in Israel for five years as a young adult before marriage, even before I ever met my wife. And uh, I took that as an opportunity to travel all around Europe. And I did a lot of backpacking on my own. And I really solidified kind of that wanderlust, that love of adventure and travel. Um, and I have a very distinct opinion of the difference between what it is to travel in that adventurous style versus vacation, which is what I consider like a cruise or staying at an all-inclusive resort. Yeah. And there are obviously, you know, there are merits to both. And I really appreciate that when you do the more vacationing style mm -hmm. of things, especially, you know, with, with more folks than just yourself or your wife or friend, um, 
you know, you, you have to if you have to accommodate more people, a vacation probably makes more sense, especially if some of those people are either younger or older. Um, but I struggle with it because right now in my life, I still would prefer to travel. I would prefer a more adventurous sense of things and immerse myself in a city. And as much as you can in a week or 10 days, you know, try to get to know the culture and walk that city and really kind of lose yourself and then find yourself again. And, um, and I've done that even with my kids being young. And I think they really get to learn quite a bit about the world and that, the world doesn't revolve around their house on Shady Avenue in Pittsburgh, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you have kids. I assume you've taken them outside of not just KC, but outside of the States and that, you know, you expose them to a lot of different things. And there's a lot of benefit to that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we, we lived overseas in China, right? So we had three of our kids at the time. And I mean, that... When, you, when you're forced to live in a different country and you're forced to kind of adapt to a different culture, it changes the way you view everything that's, you know, quote, normal. Exactly. So, yeah, I right. love it. I think, I think it's great. Puerto Rico, man, it's going to be a blast. Good for you. You're going to be sipping little kitty drinks with umbrellas on them. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, I stay away from the, the sugar-heavy drinks just because I don't want that horrible hangover. But <laughs> it, it'll definitely be, uh, you know, like, Fresh pineapple juice with no sugar in it, with just straight up Tito's. That's my wow. that's my jam right there. Nice. Probably inside of like a hollowed out coconut with a big strong, like you said, a big old colorful pink umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> that's my you're not right you're there. not gonna give a crap about what people think. That's gonna I be can the care less. Part. My big hairy gut is gonna be spilling over my waistband and TMI. my kids are going to let's back up. Exactly. Uh, back up. Well, I'm drinking. You know, it's a... like inside my head. I still think that those young girls walking around the boat look at me and they're like, damn, he's married. But I realize <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I'm like, they don't look at me and think that they're just, just totally disgusted. No, that's what they're saying. They're saying, <laughs> Wow, that guy is actually married. How is that possible? <laughs> My wife happens to be a beautiful woman, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you really outkicked your coverage. How did you win her? What did you put in her drink? Well, hey. Hey. there you go. The personality, man. It's that gift of gab. Yeah. You met her at a card shop, right? Isn't that the story? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> she was looking for a magic card. Oh gosh. Yeah. Or, or 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 a few new dice for her Dungeons and Dragons local game. <laughs> well, it. we've officially we've officially isolated every possible audience now. We talked about Pokemon last week. We mentioned magic <laughs> this week. <laughs> we might as well hang it up. That's good. Well, I I'm drinking one of my favorite brewers uh is is a it's a microbrewer out of San Diego called Stone. And they, I make, yeah. they make some yeah, of the best IPAs. Right. Yeah, man. They're delicious IPAs. One of my favorite. Nice. Nice. So that's what uh, that's what's getting me through this podcast. So um, I'm pretty much on my second case of Red Bull. Oh, shoot. Is that, is that what you – is that your okay. go-to caffeine? Oh, okay. No. All right. Uh, no, I, I, I don't <laughs> have a go-to caffeine. 
but it's pretty much whatever has the most caffeine within arm's length, you know? Okay. So whether it's a Starbucks or a Red Bull or a Diet Mountain Dew, that's what it's been all day. Very nice. But here well, we are. Here we are. We're here still, we are. We're still talking at midnight on a Saturday. In the wee hours of the morning, and I love it. We have a lot to cover tonight, and I'm excited to get, get into it. Uh, l- let's start with what I think is probably well, – let's start with some of the product stuff because I think we, we want to cover the two more important products that have come out in the last week. Archives and Unparalleled. You pick the poison. Which one do you want to start with? Um, I mean, I, I think it's probably more important to start with Archives. It has more impact on the hobby. It's okay. a mainstay. It's baseball. Um, I prefer Unparalleled if you're giving me money to buy a box. But I think Archives, yeah, there's, there's it's a, a far greater ripple effect. So, yeah, let's go with that yeah. first. Let's do it. So, so here's my first question to you about Archives. What do you think the whole dynamic – and for those that don't know, uh, retail release this week, um, typical retail release. You got the fat packs and the blasters. Hobby was supposed to come out this week. We got pushed back a month. What do you think about that? My initial thought is I'm baffled. It's one thing to have a delay for a release, and that happens – seemingly pretty often to the point where I don't get nearly as frustrated as I had in the past about a product delay. I tend to assume that there's at least a decent reason for it, but to release retail and delay hobby for a whole month, I feel like it's going to cannibalize hobby unless Pops hasn't announced something huge that they're delaying hobby for. Like, I think you mentioned in a conversation that was private between you and I the other day, which is the potential of Soto autos, Hmm. in which case that's a very good reason to delay the product. Yeah. But without much more, you know, it's like a math equation without the ability to fly in. I, I don't, I don't have enough information to really say much other than it feels really awkward. And I feel like, the people that are running out and buying retail are the ones that are going to capitalize on at least the bulk of the value in this product. Yeah, I I 100% agree because the reality with archives is it's a very, it's a very set driven product. Um, There's less emphasis on the autographs. There's more emphasis on, the parallels and the variations and the little nuances that they did that just adds up and it allows these case breakers that are that are ripping the product to, to make their money like so that the I've and I've had conversations with a, a few of them and you're right it totally cannibalizes their set sales because the folks that if they if they didn't pre-order the retail there's no way they can fill the sets. Unless right. they have, and some clients are obviously going to wait and be loyal to their their you know their buying kind of practices, but some are just going to say, "Hey, look, we want we want it now," <laughs> so we're going to go buy it right now. It's it is what it is. So it's a really interesting dynamic for a product like Archives, which I would consider to be probably a top five or six product for Tops Baseball. I mean, I don't think I could name five products that are more important to Tops than Archives. I just, I, 
I, I don't know that we want to waste, or I don't, I don't think it's a waste of time, but I don't know that we want to spend time trying to do that. But I'm not sure I agree entirely. I think unless I would just say it's number five or maybe number six, even. Let's, let's, let's talk through a little bit because you know I I, sure. I would say I would classify obviously t- tops flagship series one sure. as you know primary product for tops I would say yeah. you got Bowman um is number two and then the chromes and of each have to the, be three and four right I would say Bowman Chrome probably three I would say it's pretty close to tops Chrome being a you know six or seven eight down the line. Ah, that's my that's okay. my opinion. As much as I love Tops Chrome, I just don't think it's that important in the grand scheme of things for Tops. I would say okay. Allen and Ginter in archives probably fall four and five. And so you and so you you definitively put archives ahead of Heritage, even though you also when when I say Heritage, I say Heritage and High Number is kind of one product. Yeah, if you and if you combine even the two, though Heritage stuff. might be a little weaker, High Number seems to always really carry a lot of unique value and hidden value. That's a good point. Yeah, and as we're talking about already, I'm starting to think Archives is maybe closer to seven or eight because you got finest That's been in there. My opinion, and and the, probably the reason I say that is I I do agree it's an important product. I do agree that it has, it has a, a very obvious loyal following, um, but I've always considered it, in terms of true value, just you know after all these other products that we're talking about, and maybe the reason I say that is that even though it's not hit driven, the hits you know it does still matter when you're talking about return on investment that the hits do represent a certain portion of that return and those you know red autos in heritage or the baseball focused autos in heritage um that are, when i say baseball focused that's not an absolute I, I didn't say that correctly what i should say is that in archives so much of the content as far as hits are concerned is in that fan favorites checklist right and as the name of the of, of the subset indicates, fan favorites not almost. It's very infrequent that the subjects are high value guys, and more often than not, low value guys, but just guys that were really popular in that town for that team. A la of Andy Van Slyke from Pittsburgh, right. Um, right? Or a good one this year. Actually, you pulled one and showed me a picture of it. Bill Madlock from the mm-hmm. '79. Pirates team, but you know, and so there's there's not a lot of value there. I've already I've pulled three autographs already. I bet you I don't. All three together aren't going to net me fifty bucks. Not even close. Maybe not even half of that. But honestly, um, again, I don't. I, I'm sorry that I keep focusing entirely on the autos, and I know that's not what you should be doing when you're talking about a product like archives. Um, but Heritage also has a lot of that sneaky value in the nuance, variations, gum-stained backs, different colored chrome. Actually, that's a big factor in Heritage that Archives does not have, is all that chrome. That, that's a great point, yeah. 
I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and we keep saying it's not hit driven at archives. And the reality is it's a lot of value does come out of the hits. Although we, we could argue all day about hits not being the case. I mean, you look at the coming attraction auto, I think it was the coming attraction auto last year for judge, right? I think it was like the third or fourth most right. uh, valuable auto that he had. So yeah, there's, there's, right. <clears throat> you obviously got this year, you got Soto, right? You got the Soto base rookie. If there happens to be an auto, then of course archives are going to shoot up the charts, but it's only going to shoot up the charts because and on the hobby side. And then retail, well, at that point, won't matter anyway because retail will be dried up. But, and I will say, and, and you did a lot more retail than I did, but I think our we we both had the experience that of the content that we did pull, it was sparse at best. And, and even any of you listening that may not have opened any retail, you can go ahead and pull up on eBay. You know what what's out there for archives. Very infrequently in retail are you finding the rookie autos. So there's a reason why hobby will still carry itself, because I I, I I'm making the assumption here and now based on what I've seen so far that the majority of the rookie autos are going to be in hobby, whereas the hit content that you're pulling out of retail is mostly those lower end fan favorites. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Uh, so I've, I've gone through um, two fat pack um, cases. Okay. So 108 packs per case. So 216 packs. Uh, and I was getting about five autos per case. Every single one of them was a, oh, I don't want to say unknown, school. old school fan favorite. So right. you're, I'm, bas- I'm basically 0 for 10 there. I opened right. four blaster cases, so I did a basically a price comparison because that is essentially two blaster cases equals about the cost of a of a fat pack case. So I did four blaster cases, and and I got um I got another eleven autos out of that out of those cases. Oh, excuse me, I got another eight autos out of those cases, and all of them were the standard old school fan favorites. So I was essentially zero for eighteen on autos in scouring ebay listings for archives autos yeah i think it's literally like 90 or even a little bit more than 90 percent of what's out there is what we're talking about i think i saw one or two rookie autos one or two sandlot autos which you pulled one i think yep that's huge so that's the other factor that we didn't talk about yet which is in addition to the rookie autos i think most of the higher end Sandlot content is also going to be in hobby, right? So those two things will carry hobby. Yes, you, you made a really solid point, and I don't think it could be overlooked that the set building, in large part, will have dried up, and you know that's not going to help the people that do that with their hobby cases and haven't purchased retail. So they're in a in a tough spot, right. unfortunately, right. But uh, there will still be enough reason to go after Archives Hobby. But we, we're BreakerCulture.com. A lot of our angle is talking about these products for folks that might be interested in the breaking world. Yes, obviously. It's still for folks that may not be getting into these products through breaking. Maybe like us buy it through retail or buy a box or even a case. 
But I'd like to bring it to, to this point for a moment, which is I, I've always liked the products like Archives or Heritage, bass heavy, not as much focus on hits, all the things we've just said. But I've noticed more and more over the last few years that breakers are moving away from these products. Maybe they do a case or two. 100%. And in some cases, they're not doing it at all because their ROI isn't there, because it's so much more labor intensive to open this much and sort this much base. And um, I find it frustrating personally, but I do understand the business decision on their part. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great point because I think, you know, there's one element of you have the breakers who, who sure <laughs> hello, Siri's speaking and she wants to talk about this no. conversation. Uh, you have the, the, these products that have kind of isolated the breakers and like the chromes and all the high end stuff where you got the rip and flip guys who basically they don't have a chance. <laughs> the, the market's dried up because the money's going into the breaks. They live and die now by the archives and the Ginters and the Heritage and the top Series 1 and Series 2. Like That is where I think you're not going to see a, a massive change from the from Tops or Panini because they realize like they need to satisfy some of the rip and flip folks as well. And that's their way of doing it. So yeah, I think right. that's an interesting, interesting point. I do have to say, I, when a breaker does decide to break such a base-heavy product like this, where the focus is not as much in the hits, the hits are still there, and that's probably the way we should say it. It's not that there's no focus on hits. There is a focus on hits to some degree. They're just, it's not a hit per pack or a hit per box in many cases. Right. But the point I'm trying to make is, if you're a breaker that's making a decision to go ahead and crack a case or two for your customer base of a product like archives or a product like heritage. I, is, do you need to complain about how much work you're going to have on the back end sorting and shipping? It's like, I don't know if that I care to hear about that. I'm getting involved in a break like that because I really like the product and you're basically spending a lot of time throughout the course of the break, disparaging the product based simply on one fact, which is that you have a little bit more work. Maybe it's not a little bit, it's significantly more work. Let me say that. I respect that. It is mm. significantly more work than an unparalleled, which is basically, you know, what, 15% of the amount of cards that you're gonna have to deal with per case. Yep. I get it. It's a lot easier to deal with that. But you're doing it. You're in the midst of it. You're opening box number two and the complaining has already started. I don't know if I need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Panini. Let's talk about Panini Unparalleled. Uh, you go from, you know, the very base, <laughs> it's about as bland as you can get look of, of archives right. to the glamour and glitz of unparalleled uh what are your initial thoughts what's your kind of your, your gut reaction to the product i've liked the product since it came to the market i think three this is the third time the third year in a row that they're doing unparalleled yep um and i still like it i like the pop of the different 
background. I don't know. What would you call those designs? I mean, uh, the, the hologram? Is it a holographic thing? Because um, it's not it's not exactly it's not it's not a chrome or an optic type or a prism yeah. type of technology. It's it not more yeah. holographic to me. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I think most people on eBay at least would call it. They would just default to prism, right? It's one of the you know you have the hyper parallel yeah. hyper prism or the flight prism, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's not, I mean, it's not exactly it's prism. Not, right. It's not. But so so let's just for the sake of our conversation call it something kind of holographic. I love it. I think it looks great. I think you get in the light as you change the angle of the card, you get to really see the definition of the different design in the background. You also obviously get a prism of colors like a rainbow shooting off of the card. You could get pretty interesting if you get pretty intricate in the way you take pictures of these cards for the sake of listing them. I see some pictures that are pretty bland and I'm like, wow, that seems to me to be a missed opportunity when you're putting a card like this up on eBay for sale. You, you could really do yourself a, a, a disservice by just taking a bland photo. Right. Um, because there's so much just to look at. Yep. Uh, I, I like the hits. Yeah. The base relic auto for the rookies uh, is not numbered. So I wonder, you know, how many are there? Are there 500 of each of these rookies? I mean, yeah, you know that the top 10 guys are probably somewhat more short printed than that. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at eBay listings and I'm seeing a lot of options start at 99 cents. And then you've got a few or best offers that are listing them at like, you know, 20 to 30 to 40, even depending on the guy or best offer. And it's like, wow, do I just focus on these 99 set auctions because I think they're going to end pretty low for these non-numbered autos Yep. or offer some guy, you know, 15 bucks for the James Washington that I want. I don't know. It's interesting. I think there's some long-term value, especially the obvious for the bigger names and especially for the, the quarterbacks and Saquon. Um, but overall, I give it a solid A. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I opened a case. I put a, for those that haven't seen, I put an ROI blog post up and I put a, I actually put a video together and walked the product real quick. Uh, so, so here's my reactions to the product. Uh, number one, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's an undervalued and even an underappreciated product. Um, loved Revolution. Absolutely loved Revolution. And, and what I love about Revolution is that basketball collectors appreciate Revolution for what it is. And yeah. when you get like, for instance, a galactic, right? You get a galactic like that, that is the, that is the premier card in that set. Although it's not a true one of one in reality, there's probably five of each. Um, it is ultra short printed. It's one per case. And there's just something about getting a galactic that is just soothing to the soul and it sells really <laughs> well. It, it carries the value. <laughs> You, you, right. it does, it does not work in football for some reason. No. Folks are not understanding like galactics are legit. Like these are what you want. What's they don't interesting sell. is that it doesn't work as well in football and they're even more short printed than they are in basketball and basketball. You get one per case. If my math is correct in football, you get one in every three cases. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly so, right. So. 
it's even more so in there that in that case there may be an opportunity that some of the subjects that have a galactic might be a one on one. Who knows? Yeah, well, so it's it's different. So veterans are I think are one in one and a half cases, if I remember correctly, and, and rookies are one in every three case. So uh, okay. they did they split the odds for vets and rookies on the Galactics. That's good to know. But either way, I mean you're it, there, there's no product available. You cannot get I mean unless you go to the retailers and some of the retailers still have it. But um, on the on you're the saying second, unparalleled sold out on the secondary market. You can't you can't jump on deal event right now and grab a grab a case. Not available. Wow. No one's no one has any available. Well, I think uh, it's a, it's a great breakers product. It breaks as you know, a, a group. It, it, it's perfect for a group break, and whether that's by the team or the division or even player, um, yeah. Because there's 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 value even in a lot of the non-numbered cards that aren't even really short printed. But right. for people that want to build rainbows of their guys, you've got what at least three different variations that are really base that are not numbered and then yeah, another exactly. seven that are numbered and another eight you got 11 total that's, yeah. i mean i love that about it. i think it's great for breaks um and whether you decide to get knee deep in it and really try to build the rainbows of a whole bunch of guys or you just take what you get out of a couple of cases that you jump in and get your team or you just take a random it doesn't matter yep i I'm a big fan. Big fan. Totally agree. I think it's one of those you buy now. Um, enjoy it. You can get some pretty good cards for some pretty solid rookies right now uh, for relatively yeah. cheap. I think it's high upside product. Um, I think two years from now we look back and we say, man, remember 2018 Unparalleled? <laughs> like, I think that's. I think it's one of those products for sure. They did a really good job with it. So Yeah. I don't. I, I don't necessarily feel as if these are the kind of products that have long term value, other than the rookies that really hit and have solid long term careers. And that could be said true for anything. But I think you know that there may be a dip in unparalleled because it's just not a traditional product, and the traditional products seem to carry a little bit more long term value, like. A prison, right? Well, the, the key is going to be: can they can they find a way to justify and distinguish value for some of these parallels? If they can find a way to get Galactic as an important kind of chase card in the hobby for football, right. then this is this is going to be a, a sweet product because there's the other parallels are equally as cool. In fact, I would say Galactic is probably my third or fourth favorite parallel when it comes to the looks of the card. There's some really cool right, looking parallels. I agree. There's oh, the, world, there's the shine. There's... The shine is awesome, shine. and it's unnumbered. Yeah. You get like thirty in a box. I feel like no, you get like four or five <laughs> in a box, but but it's yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's fun, really yeah. fun. I will shiny. say, I could do without the astral. <laughs> Those little stars. It like it makes me think of like Rainbow Bright or something that my sister did when we were kids. <laughs> I don't need the little stars. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from the guy that's going to have a umbrella in his drink. Yeah. <laughs> Every um, single one of you 
want to have a drink with an umbrella in it. So that's right. That's right. We all do. Well, moving but, on. You know, to, each, to each his own. I'm sure everybody has like their parallel of choice. You know, I I kind of disparaged Spectra last week in saying that I don't like the neon green and pink autos. I'm sure people out there love them. And yep. More power to you. I'm glad that there's something there for you to love. And we won't be fighting over this. That's a good mm. thing. 100%. All right, so let's uh let's let's cover a couple more products. Uh, we're gonna kind of well, fast. I think we need this. to jump into a basketball product real quick. Uh oh, Crown Royale just released. I knew that was coming. What do, what you, do you think? think? Uh, well, I I can only speak from what I've heard from people. I have not jumped okay. in a break. I haven't even watched a break. But from what I've heard, it's total crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sugarcoat this for you. It is absolutely horrible piece of crap products. <laughs> it can go back oh, to the wow. cemetery. They can That's rebury so it funny. into the grave. It doesn't belong. That's what I've heard. It's funny. Like, What do you think? I, I, I understand why somebody would look at those cards, those die-cut big crown cards, and say, what the hell does this have to do with sports? <laughs> At the same time, I look at them and I'm like, I, I, there's something I kind of like about it. Because um, you're an addict. That said, yeah, that's pretty much it. The primary focus is going to be in the silhouettes. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like you're getting maybe two, two prime silhouettes per case. And that's a 16 box case. So per eight inner only one maybe they're dropping a little bit more than that that's just what i've seen in the breaks that i've jumped in so i have jumped into a few breaks um it, it, oddly it's relatively inexpensive compared to a lot of the releases that we've seen up until this point in the year you know we're winding down we're getting to the end of 17 18 basketball and we're already we, you know most of us are already starting to think about next year's rookie Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's all about those kinds of silhouettes, and they're hard to come by. I believe they're all numbered to twenty-five, and then there's probably some shorter printed. Um, they, they, I think they look pretty good. The problem is you are wading through a lot of muck to get to that, and yeah. So you may not like the crown. That's the base set. You have some parallels. Some of the colors of those parallels, in my opinion, are weak. The, the out of twenty-five parallel is purple. I get it; it's a crown royale. Purple is a royal color. Whatever, uh, I could do without it. What I could really do without, though, is there. There's so there's. I think I, I don't know how many, three, four, even five potentially different die-cut subsets. Mm-hmm. Some of them look pretty cool, like round ball royalty is, as you would expect, a, a basketball die cut. That looks kind of cool. But they pulled out of the closet that Panini's Choice Award die cut that looks basically like a triangle. Uh, I wonder if anyone's ever liked that card. I'm going to guess 
at least two people. The designer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Panini. <laughs> and Hackler. Maybe Tracy Hackler because he has to put the blog, <laughs> the blog together. But <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Panini is awesome. Uh, yeah, no, keep – I don't want to go to geometry school. I want the square. Like that's what I want. I want a square. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to like look, cut across lines and all that stuff. Like no thanks. I'm sorry. You know, there's probably room for us to have a conversation that is a, its own standalone piece about die cuts in the hobby. Yeah. Because there have been so many different shapes and sizes, and some of them I think are really cool, and some of them are complete duds. And I think there's probably going to be a fair amount of disagreement from one person to the next as to which ones are cool and collectible and which ones are not. Um, yeah. So when you're putting a product together and you have so many subsets that are based on this die cut thing, you're just going to be polarizing from the jump. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I think that would be an interesting conversation to have because, you know, I we were kind of texting back and forth, kind of touching back on uh, Unparalleled. And they have a uh, – what's it called? I think it's called Star Factor, Star Factor a die right. cut. Uh, that I yep. think when I when I first pulled it, I pulled it Antonio Brown and a back um, It It was eye-catching. It was really slick looking. And I don't normally think that about die cuts, but here's the thing. Nobody cares. Nobody buys them. Nobody wants them. <laughs> so maybe, I mean, and again, it's not all about selling cards. I totally agree with that. And like, I'm excited to put some of these in the collection, but, and it, cause they do really look nice, but it, it, I don't know. Is it, well, I wonder what the logic is from Panini. Is it just to mix things up or is there some sort of inherent value that we're not seeing with die cuts? It's a good question. I, I just think it's filler, to be honest with you. Yeah. I I mean, I'm sure, again, somebody that out there likes it, and it's probably more than just a few people. But yeah. I, 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 I tend to guess that a, a certain amount of it is filler. Panini does a lot more die cuts, and they, they experiment with a lot more design and, and, and attempts at trying new things than they do anybody else yeah you're right you know what that means that maybe once in a blue moon they hit a home run with it and keep trying um there definitely have been a few out there that i've liked personally what 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 i mean when you think of die cuts which one comes to mind to you like what's the premier die cut in your in your view oh I really wish I thought about this beforehand. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, to, it's right. totally off the cuff here. I mean, and, and I'm thinking yeah. through like which ones Panini's put together. And, um, I mean, I've, you know, the, the one that pops into my mind for some reason, but it's probably not my favorite. It just really sticks out in my mind. Are the the die cuts that are in the shape of a helmet in prison? Okay, all right. Those have been interesting. Um, okay. My, yeah. my biggest pet. I'll, I'll I'll go on the opposite side too as well. Though my biggest pet peeve about die cuts are the ones that have a sharp edge that makes it next to impossible to get into a sleeve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean that that'll drive me 
bananas and make me not want to ever handle that die cut again. Yeah. Okay. So would you consider, because the one that comes to mind for me and mainly because I have a, just a crap ton of them sitting around in boxes is select basketball. And, and I, and I want to say they were, Oh goodness. What was the name? I mean, they were called die cuts, but I think there was also another name kind of in the hobby for them. But I mean, they were essentially die cut around the entire card and it was very narrow. I, do know. I can picture it. Yeah. But they carried, they carried substantial value. I think depending on the year, I think 2016, 17, they might've been numbered to 139 and, and maybe last year they're numbered to 145 or something. Uh, people, people like them. People like them in select basketball. So that, that's the one that comes to See, mind. I think, and I think they did well. There's a couple of things about that. I think, and this is just kind of a knee jerk answer to that you know, statement, which is a, it's select basketball and consistently now for a good three or four years, select has been hot for basketball. Right. And so I think people are buying just about anything they can get their hands on out of select. And a good number of those die cuts that you're referring to were autos, right? Well, yeah, I think they, and they were also, they had some great parallels. Like the green was like number to five and it was super awesome. Right. I remember Simmons had a really, Ben Simmons was, was like two or 3,000 bucks for a, yeah. a, a rookie rare type thing. Green and uh, then the gold and, and some of them were checkerboard gold and green. Yeah. They looked pretty sweet. Yeah, they, they probably really did. would have looked just as sweet on any die cut. It almost didn't matter. <laughs> That's kind of the point I'm trying to make, actually. Like it's select, it's shiny, it's got great low numbering in some cases, and it would have been soft up whether it was die cut or not. Yep. Fair. Because there's something else sustaining it. What do you mean? Right. So I'm, what I'm saying is it's such a hot product in select. The last couple of years, we've had such hot rookies. You mentioned the green out of five. I mentioned the gold out of 10. Also the autos that it didn't matter if it was a die cut or not. You might be right in saying that in general, die cuts aren't that popular in the hobby, but in select in particular, they sold because select is that good of a product. That that's a that's a fair fair point. I and I think may, maybe it's sport driven. Like we, I mean, I can't think of a football die cut. I mean, there. Oh gosh, was it two thousand? The last year of Chrome football was that two thousand fifteen or that was fourteen, right? Well, they had the die cuts for the rookies that were awesome. Right. Garopp, Garoppolo had one, and they had autos yep. on them too. Uh, I mean, those are hot. Those are really hot. I remember those. And they were um, limited to the top. Super limited. Not every yeah. rookie had one. Yeah. Right. Like those, those are those are really really awesome cards, but those are the last football yeah. cards I can remember that carried any value from a die cut standpoint. So maybe it's basketball. Basketball works. Maybe Panini should try more. And we're I guess we're talking about gold standard here. So our crown royal. No, we're talking, talking about, about crown, crown, crown royal. Yeah, yeah. I may have just I, totally I destroyed my own point. Product. Yeah, <laughs> I don't hate the product. Um, I think there's a couple of really interesting case hit insert subsets that have a lot of hidden value potentially. Um, and that obviously, like I said already three times, the silhouettes are nice. And if you get a prime one, you're really sitting on gold. 
but folks have to be willing to accept the good with the bad if they're going to like the product. And I, so that for that reason, I won't argue with somebody that says they, it's garbage. Yep. It's yeah, garbage yeah. for them. I get it. I personally like it. Buy, sell, hold. What's your, uh, on, oh. on. Wow. Um, for Crown Royale, I think it's probably gotta be a sell. I mean, okay. you're not gonna, you're not gonna hold and make anything off of something like that. It's, that's just a personal preference kind of product. That's a, that's a product for a collector that wants something that he happens to like. That's all it is. Cool. When I so, say I like it, it's very simply because there's some cards that I like out of it. You're not making, you're not making bank on something like that. I don't think unless you pull the Jason Tatum so, prime silhouette or Donovan Mitchell prime silhouette. That's pretty much it. Yep. Sell for me too. Uh, Diamond yeah. Icons baseball coming out. You buying? You selling? You just watching? Too expensive. Okay. Yeah. You holding? All right. It's not. I don't. I don't get involved in products like that. Generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I. I I'll be watching for sure. But no. No thanks. Chronicles baseball. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> um. I like. We had a conversation earlier today with Matt from Cardboard Treasures that I mentioned before, and you were saying. There's, you know, every third card's a numbered card. There's more numbered cards in some cases than face. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were saying that as kind of a complaint, I'm assuming because you meant that it waters down the value of something that is supposed to have value. I get it. At the same time, that to me sounds like a perfect situation for a product that's to be broken as a group break. A lot yeah. of customers going home with something. <laughs> so here's I mean, what really, I yeah go ahead sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there no and I also think that I remember last year your initial reaction to Chronicles basketball mm-hmm. was positive mm-hmm. and as the lack of value set in your tone started to change I think there may be a possibility that that kind of overflows and affects your opinion of any Chronicles release now. <laughs> um, and, but I wouldn't have a problem with that because generally speaking, it hasn't been, a, it's, it's not that great. It really is one. So as an overarching conversation that we've had in the past that I'll just bring up briefly, we have too many products. Week after week after week, every sport has a product. And Chronicles is clearly one that could be lopped off and no one's going to remember it. No one's going to be calling me and say, what happened to Chronicles, man? How can you take that away? That's interesting. That's an interesting point because what I thought they decided to do this year with baseball that I thought was, was a pretty interesting period, but I, th- I thought maybe this is their way of trying to keeping it in the product mix. Is they're bringing in contenders cracked ice autos? Like I could see those being a relatively important chase card for Torres and Otani and Acuna. You know, like the, those are awesome cards. I agree. So, I, I think anything with cracked ice sells. Although I do think that they've started to water down the whole cracked ice thing over the years. Um, with this rookie class. You, I mean, I'm just repeating what you just said, but ultimately, 
you could do almost anything and there's going to be some excitement around it because it's such a good rookie class. Yeah. Well, and they're also doing, are they bringing in select, right? Aren't they bringing in a select variation or something like that? The goal, one of the gold autos. They're actually bringing have, in a selective name brand to Chronicles. So uh, that, it, uh, yeah, I have not actually done any research yet to see what different products they're putting into Chronicles. Yeah, but so if I uh, I can pull this up to we're talking, but yeah, they had I think they had Cornerstones um, and Spectra. They have Prism Signatures Gold. What I loved about Cornerstones uh, was it was on card autos, like absolutely yes. Select they had Phoenix, which I think we could just say pass whatever, and they had Contenders Cracked Ice, and then for the base they had Old School Donruss Studio, which is awesome, mm. and Score. So, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not a Chronicles fan, but what they're trying to do with Chronicles, unlicensed or not, is pretty cool. And, I mean, look, it's 1400 bucks a case. You're looking at about 100 bucks a box. It's, all right, yeah, I'm with so you. you. Just Go, rattled pleasure. Off. You just rattled off eight different products mm -hmm. that will be in Chronicles in some way, shape, or form. Correct, yeah. That, that's why I say guilty pleasure, because... To me, the opportunity to see all these different products under one roof, so to speak, makes it fun and interesting and cool. I hope they either really improve enormously on what they consider a Chronicles base card. Yep. Or they just don't have it. And I think that'd be a better idea. Just don't have it. No need for a Chronicles base card. That's <laughs> just killing trees. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think let's let's take a moment to thank our sponsors and uh, let's good. switch gears. All right. All right, folks. Do you love quality entertainment? Do you love checking out breaks and just being super impressed from beginning to end with quality? conversation, technology, all the stuff that goes into breaks. Well, Chris from Top Shelf Breaks does some of the best work when it comes to overall production. He's got a, has a background in that and understands what works and what really clicks for people. And you sit back and even with the pricing and all the good stuff that he has to offer, you sit back and you think, man, that was a sweet production. Like I really enjoyed this. Um, so I just sometimes tune in to Chris at Top Shelf Breaks and I just want to watch and kind of see how uh, he's performing, the music that's going and uh, the entertainment he's providing. So uh, if you haven't checked out Chris at Top Shelf Breaks, go to topshelfbreaks.com. Find him all over social media. Um, great YouTube channel. Uh, you'll appreciate the time and the investment you put into Top Shelf Breaks. Go check him out. All right, man. So let's let's cover some uh, other fun stuff that we've been that's been brewing for us. So 2019 tops. What do you think? You loving it? You hating it? And, and I'm referring to the design. Right? So you last did... week. Yep. Go ahead. Well, yeah. You. I actually had no idea about it, and you just recently shared the picture with me of Beckett's release of the first image of 2019. Uh, base top design mm -hmm. and my knee jerk was that I love it and I think you 
kind of disagreed until we kind of talked through it a little bit and you started to see some of the merit. Um, when I say I love it, it's based on looking at the design with an eye for chrome. Chrome, to me, is the prettiest of cards. I don't love the fact that Topps uses the same design for Series 1, 2, Update, and Chrome. I think there's a different design that pops on paper versus Chrome. And it seems to me that they designed for Chrome, which I do get, and I like that. This year is actually a really good example where when I saw it in, on paper, I didn't really like it. It was just kind of bland. But when it came out on Chrome, I said, oh, okay, <laughs> that's nice. So when I looked at this image that you sent me, yeah, my knee jerk was with those kind of dots around the border. I thought that's going to be nice as a base card. It's going to be really nice as a refractor. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really nice with different parallel colors. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I like the border. I like that they're bringing back a border. But I also like that it's a unique border. It's not just stolen from a previous year. It, I think they said it looks kind of like 82. I don't remember if that's the exact year. I may be wrong. It is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit maybe stolen, but not completely. It's not just a, oh, 82 was a good year. Let's just use that. Mm -hmm. They do that in a bunch of other products anyway. They do that in archives. They do that in heritage. They don't have to do that. And they shouldn't do that for flagship or Chrome. But, uh, yeah, I like it. And the fact that the colors of the border will change with the different team colors, mm -hmm. I just I think it's great. I, 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 I like it a lot. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. It's growing on me for sure. My initial reaction was <laughs> that needs to be cut. Like, get the scissors out and cut that because it just looks like it was misprinted <laughs> on the card. But – after kind of looking at 82 again and given Penny, I mean, given top some credit, man, they're taking some liberties and I appreciate that the last two or three years have kind of just been, eh, whatever. I'm genuinely excited to see how these look. And that says a lot for a flagship product like top. So yeah, this is going to be good. I, mean, I think you could go back to 16 <clears throat> through this year and say, <clears throat> uninspired each year has been kind of similar to the next or mm -hmm. to, actually the opposite way is the right way to say it each year has been kind of similar to the one before mm -hmm. with a bit of a tweak and nothing great just kind of uninspired um this one really does look like they took a lot of time and thought and probably some trial and error before coming to this final design mm -hmm. um and i like that it's a departure from the last three years you don't feel like it's just an extension with a little bit of a tweak right from from what they've already done so who knows i i really like i said already i don't mean to be redundant but i really would like to see them dedicate a design to paper and dedicate a separate design to chrome because again I'll, uh, i'm sorry to be so redundant but it really does seem like each year they design for chrome and then just apply it to 
Series 1 to an update. And that would be an interesting discussion. Yeah. Yeah, good. No, I would just I I think that'd be great to have a conversation with someone from Tops or someone in the know that you know uh, when, when they're when they're putting these designs together and they're they're presenting them to the team, right? The and I, and I think like, you know, Mad Men style where they're presenting like here's what we got and what do you guys think? It does I'd be curious to know if they do present it in here's base, here's how chrome would look or here's how chrome looks and here's how it would just happen to look in base. You know, like what what is the what is the de facto standard for for them to measure a successful design? That'd be a really great conversation to have. I agree. We gotta find that person. Hope hope that they're willing to have that conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> Top seems a bit guarded in general, but it would be definitely worth our time for our audience to hopefully identify that person and have them on. Um, it definitely just seems to me that they designed for Chrome and just apply it elsewhere. And I, I do want to say, I do understand the whole sense of continuity and why they do that and tie together series one, two update in Chrome because mm-hmm. in their minds, they're all part of one family, one franchise, if you will. Right. Uh, I think Chrome deserves its own attention. Um, and therefore, out of the other side of my mouth, I'm saying de facto that Series 1 and 2 and Update deserve their own as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, I think we both agree. We're excited about next year's release. Um, so that says a lot. Good job, Tops. Well done. I will say I'm not exactly ready to move on from 2018 because it's been such a good year with such a good rookie crop. And we've got a couple of releases that I'm still really looking forward to. But I get what they're doing. They want to get us thinking and get us excited. And and it definitely worked. It got me excited for sure. Yeah. What what are the two releases you're most excited about? Since you just mentioned it, I'm curious. I'm definitely – pumped for high i always get excited for heritage high number okay i think there's a lot of fun value in that product okay um that's the one i wouldn't say there's a second off the top of my head i need some help without a calendar in front of me of releases to jostle bowman crow maybe what do you think of bowman crow oh for sure 100 percent. okay definitely yeah Okay. Is yeah. there anything that's more of a, a lower uh, and more affordable base heavy product like an archives or a heritage that we still have this year? Um, let's see. You probably let me think here. Well, yeah, I mean, you got archives hobby, so you got that. But you got tops update, right? Isn't that still coming out in October? And that's and, probably going to have another round of Soto stuff. Yeah, you would think so. And then, I mean, my my favorite release every year is Bowman draft. So, and that's obviously in, in, I think December this year. So, so yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are the three that stand out to me, but high tech's always fun. High tech. I think the glamour's one. You know what? I, I, I like acetate cards. I feel like everything that comes up in this podcast, I'm saying, I like that. I like that. I tend to be a bit more critical, but I'm talking about a lot of things I like today. Maybe I'm just in that kind of mood. But 
yeah, high tech. I like acetate products. I've always liked autographs on acetate, especially. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Another product, though, that I could never understand why it doesn't have more value. Well, yeah, exactly. And then the fact that they released a Bowman high tech that comes out in September and a Tops high tech that comes out in, in October. Wh- I don't whose get crazy it. idea was that? Like, I, I just, it blows my mind. Yeah, I, I don't. I think that's a little bit of a money grab, but I could, who knows? Yeah, I think you're right. But whatever. So here's, here's a question for you. Uh, and this is something you and I have always talked about, but I think it'd be fun to just, let's, let's flesh this out a little bit. How do you handle situations where your family approaches you or friends approaches you and you either have to talk to them about the hobby. You have to, you have to bring into the conversation that you do this or, you're on a podcast and are you buying cards uh, or God forbid they ask you to sell some cards that you have, they have sitting in their basement. They send you pictures and they ask for the value of these cards. Cause you're the expert now. How do you deal with that? You had a recent experience. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, it's so painful <laughs> because you know that nine times out of 10, they are talking about junk wax era stuff. And it's like, well, what? I can split a penny with you somehow, I'm sure. I haven't figured it out yet. My teeth aren't strong enough to bite it, though. Um, it's, it, you don't want, you, you want to be a good friend. In some cases, they're even saying, just take it because I'm moving and otherwise I'm going to throw it away and I feel bad wasting it. So just here, take this. And before you can say no, they're at your doorstep with a pallet. <laughs> I tend to be a good friend and a nice guy and have a tough time saying no. And I've got way too much stuff in my basement from other people just unloading their junk on me. And I'm going to have to soon enough just start saying no. But my my recent experiences with one of my closest and oldest friends his parents are in the process of downsizing sold their Mm -hmm. home and moving into a condo and my buddy and and his brother both were helping their parents go through that process and obviously that process includes getting rid of a lot of stuff and so he called me up and he said i've got all this stuff and i think there's some value here and I know you sell on eBay, so what if you just threw it up there and we, we just split it? And there's a, a, literally a few cards that have some value, but the vast majority of uh, it's just junk wax. And now I'm just letting it collect dust in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> it's so frustrating. Uh, yes, and I, I have countless examples where I could bring this up. I mean, so I think the first element of this conversation is how do you typically breach the subject that you're involved in cards? Are you tentative when you bring it up? Confident? Do you care? A little bit. I'm definitely tentative because I think for people not in the hobby, they tend to think of the hobby as a, a bit of a kid's thing and a bit of an immature thing. And 
what are you doing as a guy in his early 40s still involved in something like this? Um, of course, I have a few friends that I was collecting with back when we were kids. And they kind of hear me talk about it and remember our days as kids with nostalgia. And even go so far as to say, oh, man, once in a while I'll watch walk by the cards at Target and just want to grab a few packs. But for some reason, I just don't pull the trigger. <laughs> and 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 they they almost have a I don't want to say jealousy. That's too strong of a word. But they they appreciate that I'm back into it. And they also do understand that in large part I'm doing it with my kids and it's a mm. way for us to connect and have a good time together in a, in a wholesome, fun way that's connected to sports. And yeah, in that sense, you know, it's, it's a bit more palatable than me saying, Oh, I'm, I'm driving to five targets a day <laughs> to find the best new retail. <laughs> I would never tell anybody that. <laughs> um, and to it, any of your friends listening. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so I'm tentative in some cases, especially when I'm talking to somebody who isn't an old friend. Um, but then I also, I get into it and I talk about values and I give them the story, like what happened at the national where the guy pulled a 55 mantle and less than an hour later, he's got 50,000 in cash in his pocket. Yeah. And like, Oh, that's tend to listen. Yeah. And then their opinion starts to change. Right. And right. obviously I'm explaining like that, that's not happening every day, but there are a lot more folks involved from an investment perspective than there may have ever been before. Yep. And the hobby has changed and the junk wax era is over. Um, and yeah, it's, it, there's definitely some interesting conversation to have to, to have. Um, so, so I, I do engage in that, but unfortunately I feel like for every conversation like that, I've got three people calling me trying to dump their junk wax on my front steps. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have to get better at saying no. And it's typically funny because typically I'm not the kind of guy that has a tough time saying no, but when you're talking about the hobby and you know what it is, the chance that they're going to bring over you know, a whole ton of junk wax, but I'm going to find that one card. You know what I mean? That, that, that There's that one card that they didn't know was in there. Not that I would never tell them, oh my God, dude, you, you just dropped off a $5,000 card on my porch. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll split it with you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's well, that's I, I tend to have a tough time saying no because I do want to rifle through it with that hope that I'm going to just right. come up that one card. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't run into situations a ton where the people are dropping off cards with me, but I do run into situations of folks, whatever the situation may be, folks walking in and seeing the stacks of cards and saying, whoa, wait a second. What's up? What are you doing here? You collect <laughs> cards or – are these your kids' cards? And, you know, it's always the. Well, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a little bit about the hobby. Let me tell you how things have changed in the last decade. It's your chance to either take advantage of the situation and look like an expert and kind of shift their opinion on what cards are all about, 
or bend over and take it, <laughs> take it in the back, right? Like it's okay. You're right. Yeah, this is actually pretty embarrassing. <laughs> so, so let's take this in a bit of a different direction because I think, at least for me, it's 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 a uniquely important part of what you just talked about. So people come over, they see cards. If people come over to my house, they're more than likely going to see cards. Um, so what's the situation? Is it that you've got just indistinct all over the place and people are tripping over them? Or, you know, do you have a pretty good method to your madness and things are tidy, but they're still in plain view? How do you handle that? Because I know I do a really good job of keeping things in control, organized, and yeah. that. But that doesn't stop my wife from getting frustrated with this amount of space that I take with the hobby. So, so how, what does that look like in your house? Yeah, I think I'm like you, where I'm I'm pretty organized, and I and I have very specific spots for things. Uh, there's obviously times when you're we're doing, I'm doing like an ROI break or something where I'm, I have stacks of cards that I haven't quite touched yet. Right. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, there's a method to the madness, right? There's, there's organization and all the craziness, whatever people may think. So, but it doesn't matter, right? People just aren't used to seeing stacks of cards. And if they do, they're quickly taken back to those times where either they wish they had that many cards or, uh, they had that many cards and it's just like, wow, that's when I was 11 years old type thing. Uh, but, I, but I think always the dynamic, it, it, it's, it's always different, but it's specifically interesting when they have young boys and I have young boys, you know, who are big time collectors and love it. And all of a sudden you, you talk about you, your, their boys are over. We're having a conversation about something. And I say, ah, oh, man, you like that player? Well, guess what? wait one second, I got a sweet card for you. And I bring something out for them and they're like, holy crap, really? It's like, well, that's one of the advantages. Like, we, this is not a $50 card. This is a $3 card, but man, we got, I got some really cool stuff sitting around that I just know the hobby pretty well. Right. And I, yeah, that's a, that's a fun thing to do. I have a few friends that have boys and inevitably through group breaking, especially with, you know, top flagship or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a prism football. I'll have a Pittsburgh, a whole bunch of extra Pittsburgh base sets. And I'll just send them off to all my buddies that have boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always appreciate it. They always really enjoy it. And some of those guys are keeping it for themselves. <laughs> right. You know, and and I you know, and if I know that, I'll send them two sets, one for themselves and one for their kid. But mm-hmm. um, it's fun that way. I also, you know, we've gotten to the point where we have enough that we send either Zev or Dove both to school periodically with a bunch of dupes, and they'll just give them to their friends in class. And I think of that as me being a bit of an ambassador to the hobby, and potentially drawing some folks in by sharing you know what otherwise would just be collecting dust shani the ambassador i like that that's good that's really good way to justify your spend that it's it's an easy thing for all of us to do rather than just let it collect dust or 
I think yeah. some people are probably tossing their base or who knows what, you know, just, and I'm not talking about making an extra trip down to the boys and girls club every month, you know, you live very close to a school. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny. I, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I coached a baseball team, which we talked about before. The first week of the season, I had uh, at a contest just to challenge the guys to practice for the week. And in exchange for their hard work, I gave them one of those uh, Tops Home Run Challenge cards. And I just picked, you know, six random guys. I wasn't thinking much about it. And I said, here's the deal, guys. The top six guys to do this this week. Get one of these cards. And, and I explained how they worked. And uh, they were so excited about it. So excited about it come back the next week and um one of the guys is like yeah man i I put the card in coach and then the next night uh, the night i picked he hit a home run and i I was like well really like you seriously did that and like yeah we we did i think it was for like chris davis or somebody somebody like that's not worth much in the hobby come to find out they get the card mailed to him and it's like a one out of nine (laughs) or like one out of eight super short printed card and i'm thinking that's hilarious. Jeez, that's actually a really good card. <laughs> wow. But but now they're they're interested in cards in a totally different way than they were before. So yeah, we're both ambassadors. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Yeah. But all right, man. So what um what prospects stand out to you this week? Anything anything come to mind? I, I know we're supposed to think about this all week and we've done a well, poor job of breaking this down, but <laughs> what comes to mind for you this week? So first of all, I haven't said it outright until now, but I feel the need to share with our listening audience and yourself that I, I, I'm going to continue to leave baseball to you because I just don't know enough. I know the big names, but they're not prospects anymore as far as, the hobby is concerned. They may still be in the minors, but their values have already far exceeded what you would call, you know, like a buy low, sell high kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as a buy low type of guy right now, going back to the well for me, which is basketball, which I know the best, we did talk about this when I came back from Vegas, where I had gone to some summer league games. And Josh Hart from the Lakers won the MVP of the entire summer league. Now, mm. granted, not playing against, you know, all of the vets of the league, um, but you still got to put the ball in the hole. And mm. that's no, you know, simple feat. So it's hard to see that he's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of minutes with Rondo in town and ball still there. But if either of those guys end up hurt or leaving town mm-hmm. or if the Lakers ship him off somewhere, uh, you know, you could be looking at a guy that right now you could get a whole ton of rookie auto stuff for less than 10 bucks hmm. that if he get if you know, because with so many of these guys, it's about timing and right opportunity. And I feel like Josh Hart's got the talent. He clearly showed it in college. The guy's got again, he's got game. Mm-hmm. So he gets his opportunity. All these five ten dollar rookie autos that you're 
capable of sopping up right now are going to have some pretty significant upside. So that's a bit of one of those like dark sleeper long shot kind of deals. You know, that's like going to Vegas and putting a hundred dollars down on the Clippers preseason. Hmm. But once in a while, those bets pan out. Yeah. I I actually really like that one. I think that's, that is such a, there's such a low floor or excuse me. There's such a high floor on that. Right. That I think it's just, it, it really pays to, to look into where you can start investing in Josh Hart. Is he going to put up 30 a game? No, but with the right mix of players, that guy could, you could see a, a double in value for most of his important cards. So and you could see a double, double out of that guy. You can yeah. see, um, you know, he's not, it's not going to be 20 and 20 by any means, but a 10 and 10 kind of production. Mm-hmm. Um, even a, he could, and he could accomplish that as a backup. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. He's the type of guy that could. He's a smart enough player that he probably could. Yeah. So who's your guy? Yeah, man. So a couple come to mind this week, uh, but there's one that I, I kind of keep my eye on, and, and really because I paid attention to him in the 2014 Bowman draft product, and I got to know the, kind of the way he is. It's a guy named Dylan Cease. He's a pitcher that was a, was a Cubs pitcher, highly touted prospect, flamethrower, um, got traded to the White Sox. And I want to say he's maybe their number three prospect, maybe, maybe, maybe number two. I think they got Eloy Jimenez as number one. Uh, dude is, I think he's in double A, but I think we're probably going to see a September call up for Dylan. And the dude's 22. Uh, if he comes out and dominates, you're going to see his 2014 Bowman draft autos and his cards just probably skyrocket. I mean, obviously within context, but uh, Dylan Cease, 22-year-old. How do you spell that last name? C-E-A-S-E. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a six-round draft pick. I'm loving it. I think I think he's going to be stud. So, yeah, that's that's my guy. That's my guy. Check out Dylan, Dylan Cease. So, he's, uh, I think, in the last, like, month he's had like a 1.2 era and in 2022 innings or something he struck out like 35 guys 36 guys so the the guy the guy is a dominant type pitcher and next year for fantasy leagues and for collectors i think dylan cease is going to be one of those guys you keep an eye on big time nice i think in the future just to plant the seed here we might want to i like the idea of adding to this segment first of all i think this segment is great for me and i'm learning a lot about baseball prospects from you each time we talk about this but i like the opposite perspective as well which is who's that guy that the hobby was just blowing up who's basically busted Hmm. yeah for sure i think those are out there too especially in baseball oh yeah yeah football too a lot in football yeah there for sure for sure in football but i think the upside is definitely there more so in baseball so yeah that's that'd be a great segment to continue uh, i know we'll close the chapter on this cast in a moment but just to add a little bit of football conversation to this prospecting focus 
How about a quick buy or sell on a couple of names I'm going to throw out at you? All right. Baker Mayfield. Uh, Bye. Woo. Okay. Uh, we got to stop. Tell me why. <laughs> it's, supposed be, it's supposed to be a quick segment. No way. What, I, 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 tell me why. He looks like a pro quarterback. He looks like he can handle this. And I think there is just way too much upside for Baker Mayfield. All it takes is for him to go out there and show that he's capable of winning with the Cleveland Browns. And he's going to be a hobby darling. All There's... that it takes is to show that he can win with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nobody can win with the Cleveland Browns. You exactly. get a guy that can go in there and win with the Cleveland Browns. The guys, the guys got the stuff. I, I mean, I watched him in his preseason game. I, I was really, really impressed. He was making great throws. I mean, accuracy is his thing. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a buyer right now for Interesting. sure. Interesting. Um, I, I am hearing more and more folks talk like you are about Baker Mayfield, and it's surprising. But, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, I'm biased, and I'm not going to come anywhere close to having that attitude until he shows me something. But uh, it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Saquon Barkley. I'm going to say hold. I'm going to say hold. Interesting. He's got a lot of a lot of uh, excitement built into his price right now, and the injuries. I just I worry so much about a running back getting hurt, and they just take a beating in pricing. So yeah, I which just, is uh, exactly why I would be selling right now. I just don't see how a running back in this league can sustain the hype and pricing where he is at right now long term I feel like there's nowhere for him to go but down I don't know man I don't know about that I don't know I I think he's got a lot of things going for him number one it's it's going to be a run heavy offense number two it's in it's in New York number three I think he's just a gifted running back number four right he uh, yeah, I think it's not right. Yeah, he is a gifted running back. And number four, he's just – people just love the guy. Whoever talks to this guy loves him uh, because he's just a good guy. You want to root for him. So I think he's got so many things going for him that all it takes is for him just to, to do well and not get hurt. And he could be he could be the stud of this class. So I, I, yeah, I, so I guess my perspective is this. First of all, I think he's already the stud of his class, even with the QBs. If you look at their prices relative to his, his seem like they're at a peak. And yes, could they go up? Yes, they could go up. What does he have to do for them to go up relative to what has right. to happen for them to go down? Right. Is why they sell. Because the likelihood of them going up versus going down is far slimmer, in my mm. opinion. What does he have to do? To for them to go up, I think uh, not just go out and play, but go out and have three touchdowns in his first game versus hmm. not get hurt as a running back. 
Yeah, that's I, all. I, I get your point. I get your point. Yeah, that, that's fair. You, you'd made a statement a second ago, like oh, what what running backs really in the last few years have held their value. And, and I would argue there's a few running backs they have, like the girlies of the world. Even Fournette last year, who didn't really perform up to our expectations, still held his value throughout the – In one season. But who's the best running back in the league right now? Um, I'm not going to, I'm absolutely not going to say Le'Veon Bell, um, but it's in, but it's, it's, it's not an <laughs> argument and I'm not even trying to have a Homer conversation here. It's not even an argument that he is the number one running back and take a look at his values. They leveled off in 2015 and you haven't really seen anything since. And his newer cards, forget about it. You, you can buy anything you want whenever you want for next to not next to nothing. There's still a premium attached to it, but not for what you would consider the number one running back in the league. Cause the bottom line is this brings us back full circle to so many conversations we have about football. <clears throat> there's, there's not much value there. If you're not talking about a quarterback. Yeah. Well, we weren't, we're not going to have a conversation about whether Le'Veon Bell is number one or not, because I would take Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott over Le'Veon Bell, but I, it doesn't matter who they are. Ezekiel Elliott probably has more value than all the top 10 running backs combined, I feel like, <laughs> because he's a Dallas Cowboy. But you're right. None of them hold value. Yeah. I mean, at, what, at some point, you have to start talking about their talent. And I'm not going to say for a second that he's not talented. But if you want to talk talent for talent and then hobby for hobby, yeah. And I'm, again, I, by the way, I'm not the biggest Le'Veon Bell fan anymore. The way he has conducted his negotiations, and I'm not—I don't begrudge a guy for trying to get every cent he can get. But the bottom line is, he wasn't gonna. If he—if he was a free agent this year, he wouldn't have gotten a higher contract, and he turned down what the Steelers were offering. It's just being unreasonable. Yeah. So. Yeah. My attitude about him has changed completely. It's not even about talking about a stealer right now. Yep. You know. Yeah. Well, one name I'll throw out there: Royce Freeman, uh, for Denver, running back. Right. P- pretty impressed. Oh yeah. Pretty impressed. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd keep an eye on him. So, anyway, you, you this was your segment. You're supposed to ask me names, and I'm already stealing your thunder. Anything? Sorry. Anything else? Or are you good? Um. You know, we could run down the QBs real quick, which I think, you know what, let's do it real quick and stick to the rapid fire. So right. in no particular order, order Sam Darnold. Um, bye. Josh Rosen. Sell. Josh Allen. Uh, hold. Interesting. Um, Mason Rudolph. well i did my research after you and i talked and i would say at this point i'll hold um his prices are still low relatively speaking they're actually kind of high for me for what i think he is at this point um but i think most people in the the hobby would disagree and say his prices are low enough to call him a buy Mm -hmm. um the only one that I find interesting out of what you just said is Allen. I just find <laughs> Buffalo is such a black hole. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how 
you buy or hold Allen. I guess hold is okay because if he performs, he performs, period. And his prices will go up because they're not they're not crazy right now. Yeah. The the <clears throat> thing is he look he actually looks pretty good. I mean it, it was he had a beautiful pass, if I recall. He had a pretty sweet touchdown pass. He ran the ball. He ran for like twenty yards. Like at the guy, I mean, with McCarron out, who knows? Yeah, I mean, preseason football is so interesting. <laughs> Most of these rookie quarterbacks are throwing against the twos and threes. So, in other words, guys that are backups or not going to make the team. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, who knows? It, it, it is a real tough to make that call. And so we're trying to make that call based on information that we're consuming because it's the only information we have to consume period. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with you wildly. You know, I, I think the guy with the best opportunity potentially is Rosen. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I just, I yeah. I mean, there's some talent there at receiver, and uh, it's not it's not the strongest division, and uh, he's going to get a chance to start pretty quickly. Yeah, because the reality is Bradford's going to get hurt, and right. yeah, he's he's going to have an opportunity. Yeah, he he looked good. Was it last night or the night before? He looked pretty good. He threw for 100 something yards, and I I, rec- I remember him throwing a touchdown to Christian Kirk because I had that's one of the nice autos I pulled out of um, out of unparalleled was a Christian Kirk, like number to 10 auto. And he was one of the little receivers. <laughs> nice. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Rosen. He's dra- He's being drafted super low too in fantasy leagues, which is interesting. He'd be one of those guys I'd, I'd set aside draft as a third quarterback. He should be drafted low because he isn't going to start. I mean, it's not like you can play him. And you don't know when you will be able to play him. You know you're going to have a chance, but you're, who knows when that's going to come. And, yeah, I mean, the truth is, in real-life football, the quarterback position isn't very deep. Mm-hmm. But in fantasy football, it actually is. Right. So it's it's almost not worth having a third quarterback, in my opinion. You need to – whether you're in a PPR league or not – you need to stockpile another receiver or running back. Yeah. It's not worth wasting a roster spot on a third quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely worth keeping your eye very close to the waiver wire and hope that you're quicker than your uh, the league when he does pop off. We need to have a fantasy football podcast. It's decided. There it is. I Done. Done. On that note, super good, good talking to you, man. Have a great trip. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get about thirty minutes of sleep at this point. <laughs> well, folks, I, I hope will. you enjoy this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother, be safe. You too. Thanks, man. Right. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>